Well, while I'm getting the social media ready, we are going to be looking in John's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in chapter 20. Well, this morning we had trouble with FaceTime, so hopefully we'll be okay today. John chapter 20, for our consideration this Lord's Day afternoon. We were just talking about the apostles. Well, Jesus appears to the apostles, as we note here in John chapter 20. And there's one apostle that uh, gets the rap of being a doubter. And I think everyone in this room knows who that is, but... um, I'm not going to look down my nose at Thomas because there are often many times that I, I doubt the promises of God. And, and I probably would have done the same thing if I wasn't there and they all told me that Jesus was alive. And uh, I'll only believe if I see His wounds. And that's the, the context of our consideration this afternoon. You remember... When Jesus rose from the dead, He first appeared to Mary Magdalene. What a privilege for women in the Lord. All the disciples had scattered, but Mary and and other women were faithful to remain at the cross. And you remember He appeared to the disciples in the evening, but Thomas was missing, and we don't know why. He could have had some engagement. Maybe he was discouraged. Uh, We're not exactly sure. But the disciples, remember, said to him, and we'll pick up with this uh, history here in John chapter 20. We're told uh, the same evening of Jesus' resurrection, beginning in verse 19, that being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews must have locked their doors and been afraid that they would be next to be arrested. Jesus came and stood in the midst. So the language seems to indicate that He didn't knock, that He just appeared. There's something about the dimension of the resurrected body that's a lot different than now. And He stands in the midst and He said to them, Peace be unto you. When He had so said, He showed unto them His hands and His side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye, ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus. The word Didymus means twin. And so he must have been a twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within. So this is again the next Sunday. 
And Thomas this time was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. What a comfort, isn't it? There's so much unrest because of the crucifixion of Christ and they're afraid for their lives and Jesus just calms their fears. Notice that they lock the doors again. I know in our day and age it's good to lock the doors. I don't know if you remember the days when you could leave your front door open or unlocked. Uh, Those days aren't so... uh, Those days have gone, haven't they? So the doors are still locked. So Jesus had to just appear through the walls. We're told that Jesus did so and he stood in the midst and again said, Peace be unto you. Verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, he didn't waste any time, did he, to to, uh, look over at Thomas. And I wonder if Thomas was hiding behind the other disciples. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Literally, be not unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, He is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. We're continuing our thoughts on the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. Around Easter time, of course, most uh, consider the resurrection But we know that every Sunday is an Easter for Christians. It's the Resurrection Day. It's the first day of the week. But we understand that annually that many are focusing especially on Easter. And and my practice has been lately in the last few years to not just stop at the Resurrection, but in the weeks to follow, continue. Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't immediately go to heaven. The Bible tells us that for 40 days he appeared to his disciples in various places, various venues. He appeared to one, to two, to several, to 500 at once. So he was showing them that he was not a mirage. He was not, it's not a myth that he rose bodily from the dead. He appeared to women and men. He appeared to, to both. He appeared uh, in the upper room. He appeared at a seashore. He appeared on a on a road to a village called Emmaus. He appeared um, on a mountain. So Jesus appeared in various places to show that it, it wasn't uh, some trick that the disciples were trying to prove something that was untrue, but that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. And for 40 days he proved that he was alive. Well, this is one of the incidences. And this afternoon, I'd simply like us to focus on a beatitude that Jesus gives in this passage. And you know what a beatitude is, right? A beatitude is literally, it's a Latin word. It means uh, a blessing or a divine favor. Uh, Someone who's fortunate to possess 
certain inward qualities or spiritual realities. We know, for instance, the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, and so on. Can you, just like the others, can you quote the rest of them? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the uh, pure in heart. Blessed are those that are peacemakers. And blessed are the persecuted. But these aren't the only Beatitudes in the Bible. There are quite a few in the Old Testament. For instance, in Psalm 119, it begins, Blessed are the undefiled who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His his statutes. And so, we have quite a few Beatitudes. And what they are is the Lord blessing His people, especially because um, of certain reasons. And we do need the Lord's blessing. What does it mean when the Lord blesses us? For instance, when they brought their children to Jesus and it says He blessed them. What does that mean? He's, he's showing them favor. He's, 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 uh, he's saying, I especially am encouraging them. I'm, I'm especially going to watch over them. And so, uh, especially God's favor is upon those who are humble before God and seek His face. The poor in spirit. Those that mourn over their own sins and the sins of society. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So, so often people are just dismissing truth and they don't care about eternity. They're living for this world. But the Lord is saying, blessed are those that are concerned about receiving the bread of life. And as we sang earlier, hallelujah, I have found Him. He's the, he's the bread of life and He's the, he's the water of drink of our drink of our salvation one of the last beatitudes is a good funeral text it says in revelation 14:13 blessed are they that die in the lord and that's a real encouraging text i believe that text was used when our original treasurer fred cerniak was was uh, his funeral service was here in this room and, and that was a, a, a text that certainly was characteristic of him. He's, he died in the Lord. And so we, we have quite a few texts. The very first Psalm, Psalm 1, remember, blessed are they, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor or, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And you remember, someone cried out in the midst when Jesus was teaching. They must have been really impressed with his teaching. And they said, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the breast that gave thee suck. And he said, he said, he wasn't denying that he was a blessing, that he was born as the Son of God and Son of Man. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the Word of God and keep it. And he was saying it's, it's so important for those to hear God's Word and then to, to uh, apply it to their lives. And there are other... Um, Beatitudes that are scattered throughout scriptures. Um, I was wrong when I said it was the last beatitude about blessed are those that die in the Lord. Actually, the last one is the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22:14. Blessed are they that do His commandments. It's the last but not least one. Now, all of these beatitudes, these blessings, are upon all believers. But did you notice? that the beatitude that Jesus gave that we read together in John chapter 20 is for certain believers. Notice again in John chapter 20, in verse 
Uh, we'll pick it up with verse 28. When Thomas, when he saw the Lord's wounds, he said, My Lord and my God. So obviously he didn't go up and touch them. He was convinced, wasn't he? But then Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. And I'd like us to think about that beatitude today. Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet believe. Now, who does that refer to? Every single believer before and after the time that Jesus was on earth. Most Christians will have never seen the Lord bodily. I haven't. Have you? No, we see Him through Scripture. We see Him spiritually but we, have, we will not see Him bodily until He returns or until He brings us to Himself. Well, the Bible teaches that there was some privilege with seeing and believing. It's not saying that they weren't blessed because they saw Him and believed, but He's saying there's a certain special blessing for those who have not seen Him and yet still believe in Him. And the, the, the adage about Thomas is, Unless I see, I'll believe. What's what's it say about those from Missouri? Show me. You know, you got to show me first. Well, Jesus showed them his hands and his side, but there is a, a real sense that he shows us that he's real because he's given us his word. And he's even said, Peter said in one of his epistles, his word is even more authoritative and convincing than even. He said, I saw Jesus on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. And he said, I heard him speak. And I heard the Father speak. But he said, we have a more sure word in Scripture. And at first it's hard to convince us that it's more assuring to read God's word about him than to, if we, as if we saw Jesus with our eyes. But he's saying it's, it's more authoritative, more convincing that you have a written word from God than even a vision of the Lord Himself. He's saying that that's how important and, and assuring and truthful His Word is. Now, obviously, there were quite a few that, that saw Jesus and believed. Well, Joseph and Mary, for instance, and uh, Jesus' brothers. But it's interesting how His brothers didn't believe until He had left earth. His brothers were unbelievers until Jesus went to heaven. They persecuted him. Can you imagine living 30 so, so many years in the household with Jesus? Seeing a man that never sinned, that was always kind and considerate, and thankful and uh, helpful and not believe. That's how, that's how uh, sinful our hearts are. That sometimes that we, we have people that are kind to us and we react in a negative way because that's just the way we are. But many people saw the Lord and believed like his apostles, other than Judas Iscariot and, and several others. So it is true. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He actually said this to them in Matthew, recorded in Matthew thirteen sixteen. So it's not saying you aren't blessed, obviously, that you've seen me and believed. But he's pronouncing a special blessing upon those who have not seen Him and yet have believed in Him. And that's what I'd like us to focus on, especially 
this afternoon. It is a comfort to know that ours is just the same saving faith that's resting in the same object, Jesus Christ. Just because I didn't see Jesus when I came to faith in Christ, I saw Him as He was revealed in the Scriptures. And I, my faith is in Christ, not in, a, in a, an imagined Christ. But when we read the Scriptures and faith comes by hearing God's Word, it's a real faith that lays hold on Christ. Now, we don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in Christ and there's a big difference. And I like the illustrations of a straw. You put a straw, if you use a straw, you put a straw in your glass and the straw is the means by which you get the liquid into your body. But you and I don't say to ourselves, boy, that's, that, that straw really quenched my thirst. It's the drink that quenched our thirst, not the straw. The straw was the means to get the drink to us. Well, the straw is our faith, but the drink is Christ. And when we say we're trusting Christ, we're not trusting in our faith, we're trusting in Christ. And uh, that's, that's the key. And, and so our faith in Christ is the same. Theirs was in a sight of Christ, but it was still in Christ. Ours, we don't see Him, but we believe in Him. And that's a Peter said in his epistle too. Peter, Peter said, went on to say, though you don't see him, you love him. And that's an additional thought that we'd like to consider a little bit later. But we are saved trusting in Christ. But our faith and your faith is no stronger than the object you place it in. You can have absolute faith in a particular chair. And if you sit in it and it breaks and you fall to the ground, was it your faith that was the problem? No. It was the chair. It was the object you placed it in. And there are folks that place their faith in objects that are going to break apart. Faith in your works. It's not our works that saves us. The Bible says it's Christ's work that saves us. Our work is subsequent to our believing Christ. Fruit is the fruit of the salvation that Christ uh, brings to the soul. So we're not saved. Uh, our works don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But once a person is saved, we will work for the Lord and our works will prove that we have trusted in Him. So uh, we need to remember that, that the faith that we place in Christ is the same faith that the apostles placed in Him, except they saw Him. And uh, one day we shall see Him. Jesus said to Thomas, you have believed. But he also said, blessed are they that shall believe. Same belief. Same um, means. Same object. Whether he's seen or unseen. And that's a comfort. But the day is coming that you will see the Lord. You've seen him by faith alone. But you will see him by sight. They saw him. Obviously, they had sight of him. But they also had faith in him. And obviously, in their case, both was needed. But in our case, we don't need a sight of Him physically to become Christians. We need to trust in Him, His life and His death and His resurrection and His work on our behalf. So, why is it called saving faith? Because it's a faith in the One who saves. There's nothing 
special necessarily about the faith. It's a gift from God, we're told in Ephesians. But it's kind of like, if there's another illustration, you're drowning and you're crying for help and someone throws you a a life preserver or a life ring, what do you call it, a a, a, a preserver, or the lifeguard jumps in. Well, you grab the lifeguard and, and yes, that's an illustration of faith, but it's the lifeguard. It's the, it's the ring that saves you. It's not your arms. And so we're not trusting in our arms. We're not trusting in the straw. We're trusting in Christ, the lifesaver. He is the lifeguard. He's the one that died in our place. And what a comfort to know that, that our faith is the same as Peter's faith, as Paul's faith, as Mary's faith. Because we're all trusting in the same Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's offered to us in the Scriptures. He's the the same Jesus that the apostles saw there uh, in the upper room after Jesus rose from the dead. But thirdly, it is a special blessing that rests upon believers who have not seen Christ. Certainly that has to be... uh, factored in here. When he said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed, he's saying there's a special blessing. He's already told the disciples that they're blessed to have seen what they have seen. Many people were looking forward to seeing the Christ when He was on the earth. The Old Testament, when the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Samuel, when they prophesied of Jesus, they were curious. Who's He going to be? Where's He going to come from? What? What will his family be like? What will he look like? What will he do? And so they were very curious, but they never got to see him until they went to heaven. Until he went to heaven after he ascended. Because his body didn't go to heaven until after he ascended from the earth. So they were blessed. But what Jesus is saying here, you're specially blessed. You say, well, how is a special blessing more than a blessing? Well, because He says so, for one thing. So we can trust that He's going to surround us with His grace in a special way. Maybe He's saying something like, I'm going to give you a special amount of grace because you're living by faith and not by faith in sight. But it could be also, there's a lot of things that could be factored in, a nagging obstacle to people today is that uh, maybe we have a weaker faith because we've not seen Christ like the apostles. That maybe our faith is weaker. Or we might even be deceived to think, well, really, how can we believe on Him that we don't see? And so we can, those things can wreak havoc on the mind. And the devil is one that tempts us too. Is how can you believe on someone that you don't see? Well, we believe in the wind and we don't see it. And you know, blind people who can't see certainly believe that there are people that are living, that are existing, and, and so on. And so, the devil can wreak havoc, but we can also think, maybe I have a weaker faith. But Jesus is saying, you don't have a weaker faith. Though I'm invisible and my body is in heaven, I'm everywhere. He's still the Son of God. He's still omnipresent, just like He was before He took flesh. You remember, the deity of Jesus Christ was from eternity past, just like the Father. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit never had a beginning. And they'll never have an end. But Jesus is the Son becoming man. He had a beginning. The manhood of 
Jesus Christ began there in Bethlehem. Well, maybe not Bethlehem, because Mary wasn't there yet when she conceived. Wherever Mary was, uh, visiting Elizabeth or wherever she was, that's where Jesus began as the Son of Man. But he's always now God and man. It's an amazing miracle, isn't it? Someone likened it to a, 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 an iron girder is, is the deity of Christ and just a little thin wire is his humanity. And yet it's welded to his deity. And what a wonderful miracle that is, the incarnation of the Son of God. But you and I, he's saying, you're believing just like the apostles. And the fact that you don't see me and you still believe, I'm going to bless you especially for that. And that's the majority of us. That starts with Abel, who was killed by Cain way back there in, in uh, Genesis, and all the way to the thief on the cross that Jesus saved. And then everyone after Jesus went to heaven who never saw Christ has, and have believed from A.D. 33 right up to 2023. Every person that believes on Christ savingly is a recipient of this special blessing, a pronouncement of a benefit from God. Could it be something like what Peter says, mercy and grace to you, may it be abundantly administered to you. We can trust God that He's especially buoying us in this day and age when we're forced to think that unless we see something, we can't believe in it. But Jesus is real. He promises. His Word is trustworthy. That He is real. That He is alive. That He has ascended to heaven. He's seated on God's right hand. He's the King that's been crowned. And this morning we considered that. Charles became King when his mother died, September 8, 2022. That was his accession to becoming king, but his coronation will not occur until 240 days after his mother's death on May the 6th of this year. So you have the accession when his mother died, but you have the coronation on May 6th. Well, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, in a real sense, that was his accession. He's the, he's, as God, he's king over the universe from the very beginning. But there's a special sense that he became king as he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's a reflection of his, the fact that as king, he subdued us to himself by his death on the cross. And he subdues all of our enemies and vanquishes all his foes. But his coronation took place 40 days after his resurrection. When it says he was ascended to heaven, he pierced through the heavens, the gates of heaven opened, and the Bible says over and over again, he sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, he wears the crown. He was crowned. As you'll see Charles, however you think of Charles, isn't the point. You're going to see Charles crowned on May 6th of 2023. But he was, he's, he's King Charles right now. But he's crowned King. When Jesus got to heaven and sat down, he was crowned. Crown. We sing, crown him with many crowns. And what a special event that was. No wonder why the psalmist said, Lift up your, you, you gates, lift up your gates, oh, oh, oh you doors. Uh, lift up your heads, O oh, ye gates, and be lift up ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. See, he was already king. 
But then when he sat down, he was crowned. And in Revelation 19, it says he wears the diadem. Actually, it's plural. It speaks of a a multi-tiered, gorgeous crown that's littered with jewels. And uh, it's a splendid crown. But we are especially blessed for believing in Him, though we have not seen Him. Won't that be a special day when we see Him? You know, there are, there are millions of Christians that have gone to heaven, and there are millions of angels. And we all look forward to seeing Christians and angels in heaven, and people who have gone on, our loved ones that are in glory. But I hope that the main attraction in our hearts today is that if, I'm, if I died right now and my body dropped to this platform, Paul could say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My hope and my desire is the first person I see is the one I didn't see when I first believed. That I'll see Jesus. And we'll know who He is. Isn't it amazing that He's willing to keep the trophies? He didn't choose to have a resurrected body that had the scars removed. Why did He keep His scars? That's a question that's been asked, hasn't it, over the centuries. And isn't one of the reasons He wanted to remind us this is why we're in heaven? Because I died for you. You deserve prison. But I have earned paradise for you. That's the the Gospel of the Lord Jesus. Fourthly, this is a blessing that we should express to new converts when they get saved. You know, I don't think I've ever told a new convert, look, you know, God has especially blessed you that you have believed on Christ. He said, blessed are they that believe on Me and yet do not see. You're not going to see Jesus literally until you get to heaven. But right now, you have a, He has especially blessed you. As it were, He's taken you up in His arms. And He said, you are especially blessed that you didn't say, except I see you, I won't believe. Well, thank the Lord that He overcomes those kinds of, those kind of um, arrogant obstacles like He did Thomas. The day's coming when we will see Him. He's a hidden object right now, but He's a real Christ. He's a real Savior. And we should express this blessing to those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus. So I hope that this beatitude is an encouragement to your faith today. And if you have believed on Christ, Peter tells us, as we read in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, that that faith will be coupled with love. Did you notice that? First of all, blessed are they that believe and have not yet seen. But did you notice what Peter said in his epistle? Whom having not seen, you love. It's like he puts a sequel. He was there to hear what, Peter, what the Lord said to Thomas. So Peter is alluding to that occurrence in the upper room. Sir, it had, there has to be an illusion. So what Peter's saying is to these Christians that are beleaguered, that are being persecuted in what's called Turkey today, undergoing many different trials, he's saying, look, you not only are believing in the Lord, you love Him. You're believing, though believing, yet now you are not only not seeing Him, you're loving Him. So he seems to be alluding to what he heard in that upper room on that second resurrection day.
as if it's a sequel. How do I know I've believed on him? Because I'm loving him now. How do I know I'm loving him? Because I believed on him. They're, 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 they're together, aren't they? And he even seems to add a third. Though now you see him not, yet you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's like Peter saying, this is just the beginning. Believing on Christ. Go on from faith to faith. Remember how the Bible says that we are to improve from faith to, to love to, to joy. And so Peter's saying, not only are you trusting in Him, resting in Him for your salvation, you love Him. And you're rejoicing in Him. He's not just cheerleading these people. He's been told, he has reports, that these Christians, though they're tried dearly, like gold is being purified in the, uh, in the crucible, so you are being purified in the crucible of trials and temptations. But look how you're loving Him even more. You're rejoicing in Him because you know that He had to go through the crucible for you. He had to be put through the fire. He had to die. And you know that in Christ that you're going through these trials because you've trusted in Him. And do you love Him any less because you're going through trials? You know, when we go through real difficult trials, sometimes we, we complain and we pour out our hearts and say, Lord, I, I don't know how much more I can take. But you know, after we go through the crucible, we come out in the end and we say, Lord, I do love you. I do love you. And I know it's because you first loved me. And there's a time where the Lord can even let us graduate from faith and love to say, I rejoice in you, Lord. I know you do all things well. And just like we want to purify the gold so we can see our, our image, our, our uh, reflection in it, so the Lord is purifying us so He might see His own image in us. He might remove the dross so that we might be purified. And so, take this beatitude, brother and sister, in John chapter 20. Can you say, like Thomas, you are my Lord and you are my God? Have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation? Hope you're not trusting in your straw in your arms, you're trusting in Christ, that He is the object of your faith. He is the drink by which you draw from with your straw. He is our all in all. What a comfort to know that we have the same faith as the apostles, that we have a special blessing from the Lord, and that we can know for sure that it's the same Christ that we have believed in. That Paul and Peter Mary and others have believed in. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. We need you, Lord. Even as the, the parents brought their little children, they knew they needed you. So vulnerable, so weak, so young. Being brought into a dangerous world, a sinful world, they desperately wanted you to bless them. Lord, though it seems that the essence of blessing is, is beyond our understanding, we know, Lord, the blessing of God has to be good, has to be strong and lasting and 
advantageous. Lord, especially the blessing of salvation, the blessing of your protection, the blessing that we might not sour with age, but Lord, that we might sweeten with age. We find so often, Lord, as people age, they became, become more uh, mean and cantankerous. And we know some of that is because of disease. But, oh God, we pray that we might become sweeter as the days go by as we ponder the work of Jesus and, and anticipate being with you and seeing you. Oh, Lord, we do believe that you are the Son of God. And we want to love you, Lord. And we want to rejoice in you. So take us on. Be more and more like Christ. More and more like a believer should reflect him in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.